When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Incredible play. 35-yard touchdown. Alan Lazard, six-foot-five frame, needing every bit of it. Oh, Hartman's still going. Inside the 10, and he is in for the touchdown. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it, breaking away, Garrett Wilson, Wilson a big play downfield, Wilson still going along the sideline, he's not going to go down, Allen tripped up, he could not get past Jermaine Johnson, oh look at the speed of Brees Hall, he's done it again, Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown, and he's sacked again by Quinn Williams, what a beast, number 95 for the Jets, listen, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it's time to answer your mailbag questions this weekend. And we're going to do a little something different. We've gotten so many Aaron Rodgers questions. And granted, there will be some mention of Aaron Rodgers during these podcasts because he will come into play with the subject matter. But we're going to answer draft questions and we'll do the same thing next weekend because it'll be the last two weekends where we can answer questions about the draft. We've already answered as many questions as we can about Aaron Rodgers to this point. Things may break. We might find out new information. But as of now, we've said everything we can say. You know where we stand on the situation. So Glenn Naughton, my buddy, who is the managing editor over at JetNation.com, is here to answer some draft-related questions with me. Perfect guy to have on because, as he joked with me, he watches about a 1,000 hours of college football tape a year. So, Glenn, thanks for coming back on, man. Oh, it's great to be on, and it's great to know that the draft is is finally getting this close. Um, you know, every year it, it seems like the process drags, but I got to be honest. Um, this year I've I've spent more time watching prospects than I ever have in my life, and um and and as a result, it, it, the draft does not feel like it's taking forever to get here. It it almost feels like it's coming too quickly. What's strange about that, Glenn, is this is the lowest they have picked since they drafted Darren Lee in 2016. So normally you would think you'd watch less draft than you had in previous years, but you went the opposite way. So perfect guess for this situation. Yeah, I just uh, for whatever reason this year, I made sure I was able to free up my schedule and 
and and uh got myself uh uh the job i'm working i i got myself into a a rotation where i was able to maybe perhaps watch some football on the clock like i said perfect for this edition of the mailbag glenn your obsession with watching college football is exactly what we're looking for here <laughs> so let's dive into the mailbag and we'll take our first question from our friend michael palace who asks who would be your pick in the worst case scenario of the best tackle options and Jackson Smith and Jigba being gone and being stuck at number 13 because no reasonable offers on the table. So in this scenario, you can't trade down. I asked Michael who would be off the board because it makes it way too hard to just guess. If he gives us guys that would be off the board in this scenario, then you can have a concrete answer. And so here's what he said. The first 12 picks in no particular order are C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, so all four of the expected quarterbacks, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Paris Johnson Jr., Peter Skaronsky, Broderick Jones, so that would be the three top tackles. Although I do think that Skaronsky could very well be viewed as a guard by the Jets. Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Joey Porter Jr., Christian Gonzalez. So in this case, Devin Weatherspoon is still on the board, which would be surprising. Jets would have to at least think about that, even though corner is not a need per se. As Ozzie Newsom has said many times, and as Joe Douglas has repeated, today's luxury is tomorrow's necessity. I wouldn't do it, but you'd have to at least think about it because he's so good and he's still on the board at this particular point in time. Looking at the options, if I couldn't trade out, I would consider Darnell Wright. I think it might be a little high at 13. I think the guy would probably take his Lucas Van Ness if Salah and Ulbrich were comfortable with him and believed that they could get him to his ceiling because Van Ness is a physical freak. He didn't start at Iowa, though, and there's a reason for that. It's because he's only a redshirt sophomore, and he really wasn't brought along technique-wise. That's why I think it's funny when people compare him to the Boses. It's very different because the Boses had flawless technique. They were born and bred for this. Remember who their father is. And so when they came into the NFL, they had A-plus technique. Van Ness needs to learn a ton of moves and different technique, ways to use his hands and all that. His speed to power is incredible, though. It's the kind of thing that you can't teach. And he could play inside or outside. I think the value there is a pass rusher might be too good for me to pass up if my coaches were comfortable with him. So if I couldn't trade out those were the guys off the board. You'd have to at least think about Witherspoon. You definitely have to think about Darnell Wright because of the need to tackle. But in the end, I would probably go with Lucas Van Ness because you can never have enough impact pass rushers. And if Lucas Van Ness can become anything close to what his ceiling is, then you could have a guy there for the Jets for the next bunch of years that could be wreaking havoc on quarterbacks in the AFC East. Yeah, for me, I would say that, um, you know, and I, I brought this point up the other day in terms of what the Jets should do at 13. I, I would love to know what they like, what they think about the round two tackles. But assuming they like the top guys as much as I do, as you said, the top three are gone. I would take Darnell Wright at 13. He, uh, you know, he he's a guy who's climbed draft boards. You know, well, we say climb draft boards. He's a guy who's sort of become fan team to have become more aware of in recent weeks and months. Um, But as I said before, he had a couple games during the season that really just jumped out at you and he's exclusively a right tackle, but, uh, I'm, you know, I'm fine with that. Cause you have a couple guys on the roster who could also play the left side. But, uh, if all those guys are gone, yeah, I'm, I'm going right now. Now, if you tell me that the jets love Anton Harrison or they love Blake Freeland and they think these guys will be there at 42, you know, if they're in that position, then a, a guy like Van Ness, I mean, he is interesting because of the skill set. You know, even if you say he's not a Bosa, even even to be mentioned in that the, the same sentence as those guys, mm -hmm. if you're Robert Sala and you had a Bosa before, 
and you feel like you can get that guy to be anywhere close to that level, mm-hmm. I'm sure you, you're going to kind of petition for him a little bit. So I wouldn't have any issue at all with that pick. But uh, but assuming the Jets are going to go O-line, I think receiver will be consideration. But again, in this scenario, we're saying JSN is off the board. I would I would go with Darnell Wright. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Next question comes in from Tristan Snowsill. He asks, given that Rodgers may be a one-year rental, how much should this year's draft be weighted towards immediate impact players rather than long-term success for the organization. I don't think that you have to necessarily do one or the other. It really comes down to what's your need, who's the best player on the board, and then sort of figuring it out from there based on everything. There are some situations where a guy might fit better in the immediate than he does in the long term and vice versa. So Luke Grant and I talked about this the other day when we talked about the tackles. You could make the argument that Broderick Jones has a higher ceiling than Darnell Wright, but Darnell Wright is probably more of a plug-and-play tackle that you could get something out of right away. So do you value the higher ceiling with Broderick Jones, or do you value the better player right now with Darnell Wright? And that's really sort of the push and pull if you're taking somebody at that spot. And then it's the difference of what is the ceiling versus what is the floor. I think it's got to be a combination of both. Good organizations don't reach for players just because they need somebody, and they don't just draft guys with one or two years in mind. They do it with a four- or five-year period in mind. So you sort of have to find that middle ground. You don't want to go too far into the developmental camp if you're trying to win now, but you also don't want to be reaching for inferior players just because they fill a need or you think they might be slightly better now than the guy that could be much, much better in a year or two. You you mentioned Darnell Wright, Darnell Wright's name. I think the player that comes to mind when I think of this question is Darnell Washington, right? Because he's a guy that I look at and think he could be an absolute game changer at the pro level. We've talked about how his blocking is on par with a lot of offensive linemen. He's six foot seven. He can make plays down the field. He's a guy that I would love for the Jets to have on this roster, but I can't see them going with a tight end as early as it would take to get him because they need some results this year. You know, there's no mandates and and things like this, but they have to get better. Um, you know, not just not just to please the owner, but the fans, obviously, this ridiculous playoff drought, you want it to come to an end. A guy like Darnell Washington on this roster, you've got three tight ends now. You know, I'm assuming they still like Ruckert. Um, you, of course, you you just reworked CJ Uzama's deal, which means he'll be around. You've got Tyler Conklin. You've got you've got Uzama. You've got Ruckert. So a guy like Darnell Washington, I would love for the Jets to take him, but I don't feel like they're going to take a guy who's not going to be, at least in the first few rounds, they're not going to take a guy who's not going to be an every down or you know sort of 80% of the snaps type of player. Glenn, that leads in perfectly to our next question from our buddy John Grella, who asks, does the Jets organization truly believe that Jeremy Ruckert has the stuff to eventually be a top tight end, and how does he stack up against this year's deep tight end class? It's a really interesting question. I wonder if last year the coaching staff was soured on him at all. I know they plan to bring him along slowly, but I thought at some point he'd be getting some serious snaps, and he really didn't at all. So the question becomes, what do they think of him? Could they draft a tight end on day two or early on day three? I think they could. It really depends on what they think of Ruckert now that he's here. Do they think he's tight end one material? I don't know. It's a tough call. I was never sold on Ruckert in that role, so I'm very wishy-washy on it. As far as how he stacks up with this year's tight end class, I would say that Ruckert is not on the level, at least ceiling-wise, with a guy like Darnell Washington. I don't think he's as good as Dalton Kincaid. I don't think he's as good as Michael Mayer. He probably matches up somewhere with that next tier after those guys. 
but I don't know that I would put him at the top of this tight end class. I think he is probably somewhere in that fifth, sixth tight end range if he's in this draft. Would you say that's about fair, Glenn? Yeah, um, funny you say that because the Jets, uh, the range I would put him in is is around the sort of the Luke Schoonmaker, Will Mallory, Payne mm. Durham, like that group. And I like those guys. And the Jets mm. actually had Schoonmaker or they're having him in for a visit. Either they, either they have, they haven't. I saw his name linked to them the other day. The tight end out of Michigan, who I think in a really strong class is is better than he's getting credit for. Um, he is not afraid to block at all. You see him lay guys out. He's a little bit more athletic than you than you expect. Will Mallory, similar guy in terms of. Uh, I, I put Will Mallory, it's funny to, to discuss him with Ruckert because he was sort of my Ruckert of this year in, in that I I thought Ruckert and still think, um, given the opportunity, he'll be a better pro than he was a collegian. Um, and that's how I feel about Mallory. I don't think he put up big numbers, but you watch him against Pitt, you watch him against, uh, was I think it was Purdue, I forget off the top of my head, but he just, he showed sort of uh, speed and athleticism that it, 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 it it's rare for the position. So I was curious to see how he tested I believe he ran the fastest 40 in Indy. Um, so, and that's sort of the range I would have Ruckert in um, w- with those guys, with that that next tier down. I wouldn't have him with the elite guys. Next question comes in from Day Kena. He asks, would you take a late-round flyer on Stetson Bennett as a developmental number three, or do you think the Jets should sign a veteran quarterback to back up Aaron Rodgers? I definitely think they should get a veteran quarterback. I know they got Tim Boyle, but he's not anybody that you're going to be able to count on as the backup. As far as Stetson Bennett, I just don't see the value in that. The Jets don't have a ton of picks to begin with. They may lose one in the Rodgers deal, And if they're going to draft a quarterback, you'd want somebody ideally that you think has some upside. I think we've seen the best of what Stetson Bennett's going to be. And in the NFL with his physical traits, it's just very hard to envision him being anything more than a backup. So at that rate, you may as well just stick with what you have. If they truly do believe that Wilson might be able to be salvaged, have him as your number three guy, bring in a veteran, and then... If Wilson doesn't work out at the end of the year, which most of us think there's a good chance you're going to have a moment where they say, okay, we gave it a shot, we tried to rebuild him, but we're still not comfortable with him, then maybe you go into the draft next year and you draft somebody there. I just don't think that Stetson Bennett gives them a whole lot of value here, and so I'd rather they use one of those picks on a position where they could get either a really good special teams player that can jump in right away or potentially a diamond in the rough kind of starter. Yeah, if I was going to take a developmental guy, it wouldn't be Stetson Bennett. Um, I've said before, I'm a big Jake Hayner guy. Um, the Jets did meet with Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue, who's a you know, he's a guy who can do a lot of things well. He can throw with accuracy. He can throw with touch. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but he's got enough to make the throws. Um, Malik Cunningham is probably Malik Cunningham. I've seen as an undrafted free agent. I just like him because I feel like you do at some point have to get a quarterback who can beat you multiple ways, but Cunningham is probably a couple years away. So would I take Stetson Bennett? No. Would I take a developmental guy? Yes. If so, it would be an O'Connell or a Hayner type like that. Next question comes in from Bart Harley Jarvis. He asks, when the Jets traded John Abraham in 2006, they wanted a first. The Falcons traded back from 15 to 29, picked up a couple of mid-round picks. If Green Bay's hell-bent on receiving a first-rounder, should the Jets take a play from the Falcons and trade down and give up a late one? No, because I just don't think that the Jets have any reason to bend to what Green Bay is asking for. We've been over this a million times. I don't want to go through it again, but we all know what's going on in Green Bay. There's no one else that wants Aaron Rodgers. They have to get rid of him because of the cash payments, and the Jets are the only team willing to take him. They're not going to give up a first-round pick. There's no reason to be playing games like that. Just stay at 13, and if you're trading down, do it to pick up extra picks and put yourself in a position to grab somebody later in the first round. 
don't do it because you're trying to meet some sort of demand from Green Bay that you don't need to meet. Yeah, 100% agree. There's, if, if the Jets have any desire to trade back and add picks, those picks should be for the Jets. Um, you know, the, the, the longer this drags on, the better it looks for the Jets. And the more I think about the amount of money um, that the Jets are going to have to take on to acquire Aaron Rodgers, I feel like they, they, I don't think second rounders should be in the conversation. I mean, that's just me. But, you know, we've talked, Scott, about the, the, the Favre compensation. You know, Favre wasn't going to get wasn't going to get 100 million to potentially play, you know, a year, a, a year or two. So I think that what the Jets are doing is the right thing to hold out and let the Packers sweat it out. And I know what uh, what David Batakari went out today and said the Packers, they, they we might just keep him and pay him 100 million to not play. I don't see that happening. Um, it's not. I mean, listen, if that happens, the Packers are the dumbest organization in the history of sports. You don't pay someone 100 million dollars to not play um, like with that being your plan. You might sign a guy that gets hurt. But but e- either way, I think that it's um, you know, there's no way I consider a one. I don't even like that they're considering twos at this point. I was laughing when I read that from David Bakhtiari. I tweeted something out to the effect of, I can imagine how that conversation would go. Brian Gutenkunst says, give me a first round for Aaron Rodgers. Joe Douglas says no. And then Brian Gutenkunst says, okay, fine. Then we'll keep Rodgers and we'll light $60 million on fire. And Joe Douglas goes, what? $60 million? <laughs> going to light it on fire? And then Gutenkunst holds up a wad of cash and a lighter and goes, don't you test me, Douglas, I'll do it. And Joe <laughs> Douglas is sitting there going, uh, all right, buddy, whatever. <laughs> that's basically what I'm it would it. be. You're going to light $60 million on fire. That's not happening. We all know that. So I right. wouldn't be worrying about playing games with draft picks. Just stay at 13, pick who you want, or if you're moving down, do it because you want to pick up extra picks and there's somebody that you like if you are to move down. Next question mm-hmm. comes in from Bill Fond. He asks, would really love to take Jackson Smith and Jigba at 13, but the offensive line on paper is not horrendous but not healthy, so it can't be trusted. Are there guys that could be picked in round two at center and tackle that they could get back-to-back that could both be starters right away? Are there some names, assuming that there's no deal with Green Bay? I was going to say, obviously, this would assume that they don't get a deal done before the draft for Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, there definitely are. I would be fairly surprised if any of the centers get picked in round one. I think the Jets could definitely get Joe Tipman from Wisconsin or John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota with one of those second-round picks to play center. I do think they should sign a veteran anyway, whether that's Ben Jones who knows Keith Carter from Tennessee, or bringing back Connor McGovern, who was a serviceable center for the Jets last year. Either way, take that from being a dire need to something that you'd like to fill, don't have to fill. But you could get one of those guys, even Luke Whippler from Ohio State, you might be able to get him in the fourth round. Steve Avila might be more of a guard, but he could be around in round two as well. And as far as tackle goes, Glenn, I know that you have a bunch of names that you're going to reel off. I don't think Darnell Wright will be there. He's probably gone sometime in the first round. But Matthew Bergeron, who's a somewhat local product because he's a Syracuse kid, he could potentially be there. There are a couple of other options at tackle as well that I'm going to let you talk about because this is your area. I know you've been sitting back with a whole list of tackles that you've been looking at from rounds two through seven. So go ahead, Glenn. I'm pretty sure you're going to say what I said as far as center, but I would imagine that there are plenty of options for the Jets in round two and beyond a tackle. Maybe not as good as the guys that they could potentially get if they're available at 13, but nonetheless, they could be functional starters. Yeah, I, mean, I, I agree at center. I, I don't know if these guys go in the first, and I know that um, 
a lot of people seem to favor John Michael Schmitz, and I I love John Michael Schmitz. I just I'm more of a Joe Tippman guy. Um, I think someone I, I think I saw recently that uh, Daniel Jeremiah has him going in the first round. But either way, even if you don't get Tippman, you get you know Schmitz could be there. I think one of the two will be there at 42, 43 in that range. If not, I'm I know Whipler's been in the conversation. I think I prefer Ricky Stromberg um, from Arkansas over Whipler, and I don't have anything against Whipler. I just prefer Stromberg over him. And then um, Jarrett Patterson's a guy, I have to be honest, I've only watched one or two of his games this year. He was getting a ton of talk last year when people thought he was coming out. Um, and then he went back to school, Notre Dame. And uh, for whatever reason, I know they moved him to guard, but he still, you know, he gives you that, that little bit of positional versatility as well um, between guard and center. Juice Scruggs, Penn State is another option. Um, w- watched him a fair bit this year. And he's, uh, you know, fundamentally sound guy, really good in the run game, good drive blocker. And at tackle, you know, we, we've talked about the big names, of course. Anton Harrison seemed like he was sort of a, a, a hot name for a few weeks a little while ago. I think um, Rich Samini or somebody said he could be a consideration at 15, which I don't think that was realistic. Um, I think he'll go late round one. But some of the some of the later guys, you know, I mentioned Blake Freeland earlier, who absolutely dominated the combine, put up crazy numbers, um, you know, a BYU product. Matthew Bergeron from from Syracuse, who you mentioned. Tyler Steen, um, Vanderbilt product who transferred to Alabama and played there played there this season. Um, really good in the run game, not so much, or sorry, really good in the pass game, not as not so much in the in the run game. I mean, he's not he's not a liability. He's just not quite where he is. He's far more advanced as a as a pass blocker than he is a run blocker. And the Jets are meeting with him. Another guy, Jordan McFadden, he was from Clemson. He's a guy that I watched, and and I um he's, sometimes you just watch a player, and you just think, why isn't this guy getting more attention? Why isn't he getting more, you know, more hype for his play? Because he was just really strong at the point of attack. So I'm pulling outside and just blowing guys up on the perimeter. I think it's probably his size. I think he's a little shorter for an offensive tackle, but still a guy I would consider. Um, and way late in the draft, maybe even you might even be in undrafted territory, which obviously that's not going to be an answer. But a guy like Earl Bostic from Kansas, I think, is a pretty solid player. So in terms of where the Jets could go later in the draft, there are some guys there, but I think I think they're going to address it earlier um, at both positions, really. I really think those those first three or four picks, I think we'll probably see a, a tackle on the center and, you know, with with two of those picks. Glenn Naughton, our friend who is the editor over at JetNation.com and also the co-host of Jet Nation Radio. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. We're going to answer more of your questions tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure that you check out everything that Glenn is doing over at JetNation.com and Jet Nation Radio. Check out everything we've got going on at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has some awesome All-22 videos. I talked about the Steve Avila review. He's got one of Broderick Jones. And, of course, Alan Lazard, the newest New York Jets receiver. Those are all up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play like a jet. So watch our videos, subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com <laughs>